This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Restaurant Week, my favorite week of the year, will be happening from September 24th to October 1st. Over 180 restaurants participating with lunch and dinner option. Go to San Diego Restaurant week.com and make your reservation now. Today's episode is sponsored by Organifi, the world's best superfoods company. Use coupon code SOBERLIFE at checkout, all one word, to receive 15% off any of your Organifi purchases. Again, Sober Life, coupon code 15% off all of your Organifi purchases. Check it out. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to what another up? episode of the Sober Life Audio Experience. Prestige Worldwide. I don't, Brian. Know, why, I don't know why I did that. <laughs> I just wanted to do that. You weirdo. Roman, what up, dude? No, oh, what's up, Brian? Yo, we're here. We have a very special... Who do we have? ...guest today. This Who's is our guest? Cam Adair. Yeah, yes. welcome, Cam. What's up? Good to see so you. So fortunate to have you. This is going to be interesting today. This is a completely different twist. We haven't had anyone like you um, yeah. on our show. We've never been in this moment before. Let's take a moment to arrive here We are now. here now. Hell yeah. So, uh, Cam, yeah, thanks for coming out. We usually, yes. uh, we usually start the show... The same. We have three questions. Yes, we do. Bring it and on. Uh, Roman, why don't you why don't you break them off? Cam, question number one. Mm-hmm. What is your vision? Yeah, so my vision, especially with game quiz and the work that I do, is to ensure that if anyone out there wants to change their life through overcoming a video game addiction, that they're able to, no matter where they are, what age they are, what country they're from, and whether or not they have any money. So, you know, right now we're serving 50,000 members a month in 82 countries around the world, everything from 10 years old to 70 years old. And I just want to make sure that no matter who you are, you're able to get that help and and help that actually works and where you're able to really transform your life. And my vision is at least 10 million people over the next three years go through a 90-day detox. Hallelujah. Whoa. Cam, tell us a little bit about video game addiction. Like what? Like what? Let's... Should we back up? Yeah, yeah. Let's. I want to. I was like really. You were. You were. I'm into it. Gunning, pulling the trigger. We we still got two more questions. Roman, break them off. Cam, question number two. What do you love? Surfing. Surfing. And when, when, like, when you're on top of a wave and you're about to drop in, and yeah. there's that moment where, like, you're unable to think about anything else in the world, no matter what problems you have or what stresses or anxieties you have. And it's just you and the wave and, like, that, like, flow state in that yeah. moment. The mental clarity. I love that. Oh, nice. Yeah. I also love that. I, we're on the same page. Yeah, there's nothing there. like it in the world. And, no. you know, for me, I, I think oh, that's where a lot of, you know, even with gaming, like it's fully immersive. You're fully in that moment. Yeah. And, and you know, for me, like smoking pot, like, again, mm-hmm. it's kind of a very similar experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But surfing is a way where I can get that, where it doesn't come with all the baggage that these other things have. Yeah, we with. always say we leave our problems on the shore, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it is cool. Wow. Awesome. 
Question number three. What is one book that has greatly impacted your life? The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. So it's a book that really talks okay. about the idea of compound interest, but in personal development. Okay. So, you know, when I started a YouTube channel, yeah, uh, I had no idea how to edit videos. I had no idea how to be in front of a camera. <laughs> in fact, I was actually really bad at it. Yeah. And, you know, thinking of growing a YouTube channel and, and having all these subscribers, like that can seem really overwhelming. Right. So what I committed to was, you know, one video every single Monday and just improve that video a little bit every single week. Yeah. So even the first video shot on my iPhone in portrait mode, all my filmmaker friends, you know, had nightmares. <laughs> I yeah. had a GoPro at the time. I just didn't know how to use it. Right. Next video, GoPro. Right. Yeah. Watch like a seven minute tutorial. Yeah. Next video, I added like an intro. Next mm. video, I was like, all right, let's cut it down from like 14 minutes of me rambling to like five minutes. Yeah. And just, you know, try to improve a little bit over time. And now we have like 150 videos for free on YouTube. We have, you know, almost 5,000 subscribers. Wow. And the amount of like improvement that I've seen over every single one of those videos has been immense, especially when it comes to public speaking. Right. But if I didn't start the first video or, or I waited until that first video was perfect mm. before I ever launched the channel, I would have never launched the channel. Right. So right. the slight edge, like the little things you do every single day, compounding the big results over time. Wow. And for me, as someone who can be very perfectionist, mm. that's really allowed me to focus more on just like putting in action yeah. and trusting that like over time, that's all going to be there. And, you know, a, a real example of this is we just checked and, you know, our traffic on the, on the website has grown by 44% over the last six months. Wow. And that's excluding the month of April where we had 107,000 unique users come to the website for help. Wow. And I didn't even know that our traffic had doubled. You know, I was going on all these shows being like, yeah, 25,000 members. Woohoo. Yeah. And it was actually 50, but I wasn't like, looking at the stats every day, looking at it, I was just continuing to do videos, continuing to do podcasts, continuing to support right. people. And then, right. you know, I look one day and I'm like, whoa, like we've actually seen huge growth, like right. two, almost 2X, right? Yeah. So it's the little things over time that really compound into big results. Whoa. Mm. And what keeps you going? I mean, like sometimes people could get, I, I guess it's the vision and like the purpose behind what you're doing, huh? Yeah. I mean, because I mean, some people could look at the result like, they won't maybe see a result they want to see, but it doesn't really matter for mm -hmm. you. This is what it sounds like. It's more about just being committed to it and like the results have followed. I mean, this year has been a huge challenge, you know, around that question because I started Game Quarters officially because I felt like it was a responsibility. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there were thousands of people all over the world emailing me saying, you know, please help. Mm -hmm. And there mm -hmm. can be as young as 10, 11, 12. And saying, you know, here's my life story. I struggle with video game addiction. I really want to, you know, change my life. I just don't know what to do. Right. So I felt like a responsibility to do something. But that responsibility has also come with, you know, I'm holding a lot of space for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget, like, you know, a week ago, it was 11 p.m. at night. And I did what everyone does at 11 p.m. at night. You check your email. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I had an email from a mom from Australia who said she just found her 14-year-old son had stolen over $3,000 because he was trying to get a better character in a video game mm. and that she hated him and she couldn't love him. And she was so wow. upset. And, you know, this was a private school kid who had straight A's and tennis player and, you know, all the, all the good things, quote unquote, that, that you would think. But then gaming had also allowed him to, you know, steal from his parents. Yeah. And I hear that a lot, but what about the 17 year old kid about a month ago who wrote about how he almost committed suicide and he's wow. standing on a chair with a noose around his neck ready to do it, really thinking about that. Oof. And, you know, I feel a, a responsibility 
to continue to do the work that I do because there's that kid, you know, yeah. or, or thousands of them. Right. But that's also become, you know, something that I am also holding and, mm-hmm. you know, right. maybe taking a night off or taking a day off or going surfing or doing, you know, something for myself right. is time away from being able to actually serve people. You know, mm-hmm. so this year it's been a huge challenge for me to, to really try to find how do I take care of myself while also being able to serve this community the most and even financially, right? Like mm-hmm. I sacrificed a lot financially to just, you know, make sure the community is free to make sure that, you know, we're not, you know, anyone out there can get help. Right. And, you know, I basically didn't take a salary for a long, long time. In fact, just used all my savings to be able to do it. Right. But then, you know, there are months where rents do. Yeah. yeah. Or I got a flight. I got to pay for a speech I got to go give that I'm not even getting paid for. Right. Right. And how do I navigate that? Right. So mm-hmm. that's Oof. been this year is, is like yeah. really trying to find what works in all those regards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're, we're definitely, we're, we're in the same, mm-hmm. same industry, different genre. Mm-hmm. But I mean, everything that you're saying, I know that Brian, mm-hmm. I can relate. Yeah. A thousand know, percent. You know, we, uh, addiction, Travels, you know, it's from everywhere from drugs, hardcore heroin addicts to porn, gambling, love addiction, which we talked yeah. about a couple of weeks ago, and to video game addiction. Mm-hmm. This is an area that we haven't really discussed, but it is one that is prevalent. Yeah. You know, and so massively. What? I love talking about this. What, what sparked, like, what, where did this inception, the inception of this idea come from? Like, what's, what's kind of a little bit more of your story? Like, yeah. Did you have a little? Didn't you have a gaming problem? Yes. Yeah, so You're from is, Canada, right? Yeah. Canadian. Yes. Yeah, but I live in California now. Yes. Man, it is there you great. Go. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. This is my own personal experience, right? So, right. You know, growing up, I was a fairly normal Canadian kid. I went to school, played hockey, and went and played video games at night. You know, it's n- no big deal. But right. in the eighth grade, I began to experience a lot of bullying, mm. and so you know, just a quick example: like every day at lunch hour, kids would chase me around the school trying to put me in a garbage can. And I would kick and scream and squirm and do everything I could to ensure that never happened. Because right. if it did, I'd be completely humiliated. Right. But the consequence of that was that school was no longer very much fun. Mm. And neither was my hockey teams because it was experiencing it there as well. And so I escaped into gaming. Right. Gaming was a place where, you know, fully immersive. I could kind of completely check out. Yeah. I felt a lot safer. You know, I could block someone if they were harassing me or go to a different game, go to right. a different server. Like I had a lot of control. At school, I had no control over that. Mm-hmm. And so as... You know, I felt like less and less safe at school. I checked out more and more in the gaming. So I actually dropped out of high school, not once, but twice, Mm. never graduated. And while all my friends were off to college, I was gaming 16 hours a day in my parents' basement. I was pretending to have jobs. I was super depressed. And eventually I got to a point where I wrote a suicide note. That's the night when I knew I needed to make a change. So I asked my father if he would help me find a counselor. He did, you know, and fast forward kind of, uh, you know, two years later, I had basically quit gaming because I knew if I continued the game, I would never do anything else. And right. this counselor kind of made me feel like I had a second chance at life. And, you know, if I wasn't going to kill myself, then I had to do the complete opposite, which was to truly try to live my life to the fullest. Right. And so I started thinking about, like, what goals do I have? And I didn't really have any at the time, but I <laughs> knew one thing was I wanted to improve my social skills. I didn't understand why I was getting bullied and, and why kids didn't like me. And I wanted more control over that. Right. So I started learning how to meet people and in order to do that, I had to go out and actually meet people. I had to get out of the house. Mm. <laughs> but if I was gaming, I would never do that. Yeah, right. right. So that, I was that, like, that is a dilemma. Right. So I was like, all right, no more gaming. And so I, you know, for two years, I was like going out, reading personal development books, like really trying to improve. And then I relapsed. And when I relapsed, 
I had started to feel depressed again. And this time, instead of escaping in the gaming, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a change of scenery. I'm going to move to a new city, get a fresh start. Right, right. So I moved to a new city, moved in with a couple of roommates. One of them, his name was Ben. He was a professional poker player. Okay. And he was like, yo, I used to play a game called StarCraft. Like, did you ever game? And I was like, yeah, I played StarCraft too. He's like, yo, I'm going to go out and buy it tonight. We're going to play. And I'm like, ah, you know, I'm good. Like, I quit. You know, I haven't gamed for a while. Like, I don't want to. Right. Yeah. That night he comes home, puts a game in front of me. He's like, dude, just one game. I was like, all right, fine. We play. He absolutely annihilates me. My ego takes a hit. Yeah. So I commit that night to do whatever it takes to ensure he can never beat me again. Wow. Five months later, I'm still gaming 16 hours a day. Oh all my day. God. I stopped working. I barely even left the house. Like, in fact, the highlight of my time living in that in that home was for a three-week period in October, my buddy James and my roommate, uh, Ben, left the house to go back for a family vacation. Right. And I was stoked because I had the house to myself. No one had to, you know, ask me to go to the gym or go hiking or go do anything. And I didn't you have just... to feel bad turning them down. I could just game in peace. I could, you know, no one had to see it. Yeah. Right? But during that time, I started to obviously be be aware of the fact that I went from, like, not gaming, you know, for two years yeah. Gaming 16 hours a day, like literally overnight. Wow. And I started to think yeah. like, whoa, like what's going on here? Like what is it about these games? Yeah. And I started to realize that there were kind of four specific reasons why I played. So the first was temporary escape. Right. Games okay. you to escape. The second was social connection. I wasn't being antisocial by gaming. In fact, gaming was like me hanging out with all my friends. Right. The third was constant measurable growth. So I got to see my growth and progress and I got it through instant gratification. You get to right. see yourself level up. Right. Yeah. And the fourth was a sense of purpose. So in games, you always know what to do next. You have to beat this boss, beat this level, get this weapon. Right. In life, that's kind of hard, right? Like, I don't know. What are you supposed to do? Go here, go there. Yeah. There's a lot of uncertainty. Job. Yeah. And, and it's the structured sense of purpose in gaming that really gives you a reason why you need to keep playing. Yeah. And games are specifically designed for you to always know what to do next. It's right. like right. the invisible hand in the game design. So it was actually all those four reasons why I was gaming. It wasn't just because they were fun. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So when I and I and I wonder, I just want to backtrack a little bit. There's a ton of good stuff that we covered, but one thing that you said was that you had your roommate that you moved in with uh, approached you about playing a game, and and you said no, I don't game anymore, or you know, I'm, I'm not playing any. Like, what's that experience like? You know, talking to someone about. You know, because it's, you know, for us and our experience in dealing with people who are addicted to drugs, it's one thing to be like, yeah, like, I don't smoke crack anymore, can't do it, bud. Or like, even I don't drink, which still is right. kind of socially awkward, mm-hmm. right? When when right. going out with people that aren't afflicted right. with addiction and, and that they're drinking and having a fun time and they're like, oh, why don't you have a drink? And we're like, don't drink. We still get looks. And I can't, I, I just want to paint a picture for those listening. What What is that like? for game addiction yeah so the first obstacle that keeps people from quitting gaming is what else will i do with my time right right Mm. and so for them they they, they're genuine about this they genuinely do not know because they've never had other hobbies right they've been gaming since two three four five years old gaming is all that they know it's it's central to their identity Mm. the second hardest obstacle to overcome to quit playing video games is that to make that decision is to lose all of your friends it's not even about uh, gaming, right? Like yeah. for them to not game is for them to not hang out with their friends, especially, you know, the younger they are, the more, you know, that's the topic at school. That's what they do after school with their friends. Right. And so for them, it's actually a decision to stop having friends, which is really hard. You know, just imagine mm-hmm. being 15 years old and you're making a decision to now be the outcast at school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really awkward. 
right? And so uh-huh. it it's you know no different you know than other addictions where that is part of what you have to navigate. Yeah, and that's why for us we see such you know a, a huge amount of success when you know we have an online community that they can be a part of with people all over the world. They can even share you know their journals and and interact in their own native languages. You know, they can get the support where they're around other people who are like-minded. And the culture that we've created in that environment is one of like, go pursue your dreams, understand what your values are, you know, be a good person, surround yourself by other people and really, you know, support each other. Yeah. And that helps at least initially to replace their friends while they're joining other group activities and really trying to cultivate new relationships with people who have other things in common with them than gaming. Yeah. It it certainly sounds like. We're in the same, mm-hmm. we're in the same boat. I mean, the problems may present themselves in various forms, mm-hmm. but the solution sounds to be pretty much the same. You know, I heard you share some interesting stories earlier from, you know, it sounded like a teenager who stole money from his loved one, from his mom mm-hmm. to buy <laughs> a character, um, to another young person who was on the edge, ready to maybe commit suicide to hearing your own story. Yeah. Do you, do you see gaming being an issue more for men, for women, both? And also like, what, what else are you seeing? Like I, I, I could just imagine people saying, Oh, it's, it's gaming. It's, it's, it's not that big a deal. Right. Da, da, da. So, but it's like, Oh no, it's, it's not like we're talking about people's lives here. And we're talking about like, you're on earth for a limited amount of time. And there's like, what's going on in reality. And like in the living versus what's going on virtually. Right. You know, so it's kind of, I tend to do this. I have a lot of questions. And yeah, that was like so. a quadruple pounder with cheese. Yeah. So just, I got yeah. it. So, so demographics, 90% male in our community. Okay. And, you know, I think there are specific reasons why. I think generally men, especially nowadays, are far more isolated. Mm. You know, they're, they're more likely to be kind of on the computer gaming. Right. Women tend to have more social support structures mm-hmm. that, if they were to struggle with gaming, they'd be more likely to just lean on the support structures in their life right. to be able to help them. Uh, I will I will say because our community, you know, the women in our community generally feel a little bit like they're not taken as seriously or, or they're not spoken of enough. Right. And so, you know, I just want to say for, for anyone out there who's a woman and, and feels like this is an issue that you struggle with, you know, you're, of course, welcome. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and like, we'd love to have you. I think women tend to lean more to, you know, struggling with social media than uh, boys where they're more kind of struggling with like the competition in video yeah. games. Yeah. The average age of our community is about 23 years old. So you think college student. Okay. And so, you know, when we go into the, the conversation around like negative impact, time is all we have. Mm-hmm. Time is literally the most valuable thing that we have. Mm-hmm. And a study out of Ontario, Canada just came out that, that showed 13% of students between grades 7 and 12 report symptoms of a video game problem. That's 140,000 students wow. in Ontario, Canada. And that was a 4% increase since 2007. So let me break down these numbers. Yeah. 13% of students between grades 7 and 12, that's 140,000 students. That's one province of 10 in Canada. Yeah. We currently have members in 82 countries around the world. <laughs> and our largest demographic isn't even kids between grade seven and 12. It's college students. Right. 48% of our audience on YouTube is between 25 and 34. Wow. So when we start looking at some of these numbers, 
you know, even yeah. between grade seven and 12, that's millions and millions and millions of students. Right. Yeah. Millions and millions and millions of college students. And yet, you know, there's like, I call them fake researchers going out there saying, mm. you know, there's no negative impact. And I'm like, you could literally open Reddit right now, go on Stop Gaming in the community, and within 30 seconds, see a headline that shows negative impact. You know, right. just yesterday I saw a post about how the guy said he was committing to a 90-day detox from gaming and weed yeah. because he wants to save his marriage, save his relationship with his son, and save his future. Mm-hmm. <sighs> That's yeah. negative impact. Yeah. Like, yeah. are you going to lose your marriage, lose right. your son? lose your future. You know, I see tons of kids who drop out of school Mm. and we just found, you know, time magazine, the economist just reported on a lot of research that's coming out that young men in their early twenties, their, um, unemployment rates or their employment rates are dropping sharper than any other group. And this economist was like, where are all these boys? Like if they're not going to school, they should be working. Where are they? And he found they were at home playing video games. And that 75% of the time that they used to spend working are now spent gaming. Wow. Wow, For a lot of people, they're like, well, I mean, that doesn't really make any sense. Like, why are they at home gaming? Yeah, they just don't get it. And for me, I'm like, yo, work a job, play video games. Like, Yeah, it's a no-brainer. Playing video games, of course, is way, why would you work a job when you can game, right? And so these are men who are now at home gaming. They have no desire to go get a job. Maybe they can't even get a job. And the most interesting thing about this study was that from – a quality of life measure standpoint, mm-hmm. these guys weren't unhappy. In fact, they were content. Yeah. They were very content with life. But yeah. when they reach their 30s, that's where it shifts. Right. Because then they start to realize just how far behind they really are. They see their friends going off and getting married. They have yeah. successful jobs. And they're still living with their parents, playing video games mm. all day long. Grandma, that's, boy. That's where the negative impact really I, starts to hit. I wonder, and maybe you can answer this, Cam. Is that certainly in the field that we work in, there's a lot of times misdiagnosis, you know, and where something is obviously addiction related, maybe it's diagnosed as ADHD or depression or, or a number of other diagnoses. And it, you know, it, it seems like everyone wants to go that route rather than calling it what it is. Mm-hmm. And And I just wonder if that's a problem that that is happening within the, the, the game addiction community. Yeah. So I do as much work as I can trying to educate therapists on this problem right. because the reports I get from our community are that, you know, even if they go into a therapist's office, they're not necessarily um, being heard or, or being understood. And so a big thing I'm super passionate about is that I understand that when we have this demographic of, of people coming to our community and, and coming on their own, yeah. No one's forcing them to be here. Right. These are people coming to us saying, please help. Right. Which is very different in the, in the mental health and addiction field. Normally, yeah. it's like you're dragging people. Exactly. Right? And so, so there's something interesting there. But these are people who are here. And wow, what can we learn by studying them? Yeah. So I partnered with a researcher out of Australia named Dr. Daniel King. And yeah. we're trying to do as much research on this demographic as possible. So one of the key things that we learned, first of all, the average member of our community meets six and a half criteria out of nine for internet gaming disorder, which is the proposed criteria for kind of video game addiction in the APA. Okay. Now, that's not, that, that, that's not out yet, right? That's, is that an actual diagnosis? So it's a proposed okay. criteria because it's not official yet. Right. Okay. Now, in order to be under the current proposed criteria, you'd have to meet five out of nine in the 
previous 12 months. Right. So our average member is meeting six and a half. And, you know, one of the interesting things we found from the study was that 84% of members reported that they knew they had a gaming problem over 12 months ago and still had not done anything about wow. it. Oh, my so these gosh. these are people who, who are very aware of the fact yeah. that they have a problem. Now, to go back to your question, 48% of our members meet moderate plus for depression. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm speaking to therapists and, and, and pr- professionals, what I'm really trying to convey is that, you know, you could have a 23-year-old male come into your office for depression. Yeah. And you're not screening for gaming. Right. Even though half of our members are meeting criteria for depression. Yeah. Right. And so I think it's, it's essential that therapists and addiction professionals begin screening for video games and video yeah. game use because it's yeah. having a major, major impact on, you know, sh- having anxieties or social anxieties or depression be able to show up in their life. I, I agree fully. And oh, one, yeah. one thing I'm curious of is out of out of the people in your community and who have problems with gaming, how many would you say also have a problem with smoking weed or marijuana use? Substance would you say, abuse. would you say, oh, I, I want to, I'm thinking just marijuana. Oh, just, like just, 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 just marijuana. Like how many, how many people in this arena are abusing and addicted to video gaming are also, you think, habitually using marijuana? So when it comes to, to things like marijuana or alcohol or gambling or, you know, any of those kind of recreational drugs, Crust, it's, yeah. We only see so much of it, so okay. we we don't, or we only see it reported yeah. so much. Right. I would say alcohol and and weed would be the two that that we see the most. Now, most of our members struggle with not just video games, but porn mm. and the internet. And the yeah. internet I see as different than social media, right? So social media is very much you're addicted to like likes yeah. and validation. Right. The Scrolling. internet is more just mindless browsing. So okay. you you can kind of think of of our demographic as they game when they want competition. They game when they want something social. They game when they want to escape. Yeah. Then when they want a sense of connection, and it's a false sense, but it's a sense of connection, they go and watch porn. Yeah. And then for all the rest of their time, for them to kill their time, they go and watch YouTube videos, watch other people play video games, and just kind of mindlessly browse forums. Now, from the research we did, we found that the average member of our community spends 26 hours a week playing video games. And 26 hours a week also in just other internet activities, which oh, I would put under like porn and mindless browsing, right? So that's like almost 60 hours a week yeah. that they're just and you that's know, basically your average, checked out. That's like your average person? Well, that's the average person out of a community out of, of 50,000 members in 82 oh, countries wow. around the world. Goodness, and dude. that's after like a 44% increase over the last six months. and. We're not, this is all just organic growth. We're not even like advertising this yet. Yeah. And these are people coming to us, right? Right. So if you think about the the general kind of statistics around mental health have, you know, about 5% people will actually go seek like professional help. Right. Walk into a professional. Right. This is like a drop in the ocean. Right. This is a drop. Right. And, and that's why, you know, we're trying to do as much as we can. And super thankful for for you guys to to share the story. Because there's so many people out there who are listening, being like, "Yo, this is me," and and you know, you're welcome in the community. Of course, dude. I'm I'm like yeah. sh- I'm like blown away. It's Cam. crazy, it's, right? It is. Like I'm like diving into these numbers with you, and and like it makes so much sense, mm-hmm. and like you're you're really explaining it in an understandable 
like pretty simple term. Like it's it's you're probably like, dude, it's pretty cut and dry. Like yeah. these are the stats. So these so are- let me let me tell you something that's not not so on the happy end. I talked to superintendents who oversee. I, there's one in particular I spoke to who oversees 200 high schools in her area. Yeah, and she told me gaming's not a problem for our students. And I say, well, we got the research. Right. I got my own research. We got you know I have literally students from your schools emailing me saying please help and you're saying it's not a problem and you know i see this as like how can we get this message in front of people because when i get this message in front of people let's say students right they they're like now have a container to be able to go and yeah, tell they staff an they they have an outlet yeah. and, and they have a container where you know they can go tell staff or faculty like hey you know that speaker that was here you know i actually have this problem right and Yet I can almost barely get any schools You're getting shut down. To, to bring me out to speak. Yeah. E- even if I'm like, yo, I will literally come and speak. Like, just put me in front of these students. Because right. they're, like, there's a good portion of your students in this school, in every school, who are struggling with this. But they're not going to tell you about it. Yeah. You just see a kid who's not interested, who's falling asleep in class, and maybe who hasn't showered that day. Yeah. But that's because he was up all night gaming. And I just want to get this message in front of them. And schools wow. literally refuse to bring me out. And I'm like, yo, like this is like yeah. a major, major problem. And everyone knows it. And they it's won't not acknowledge like, it. Yeah. Like just yeah. go to any restaurant and you'll see kids like just all over yep. their phones, right? Yep. So yeah. it's not like anyone's in denial about this. Right. But I can't get this message in front of students. And, oh, and so my that's kind of my call. Like anyone listening, get me out. Yeah, listen. Get yeah. this message in front of students yeah. because this matters a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, let's change it's, the paradigm. And it, and it, and it seems like high school you know that's like where it sh- the, this conversation should be taking place the problem begins in high school yeah right it, yeah and in high school they're able to get away with it yeah right they have parent supervision right classwork's not really hard like gamers tend to be you know above average iq so right. you know, they're able to get away with it the problem then manifests in college yeah. afterwards which is why we see so many right. college students because they get to college they now have harder classwork more responsibilities they have to be more independent lack of parent supervision right. and all of that equals more stress. Yeah. yeah. Right. The way they deal with stress is what they game. Yeah. yeah. Right. Gaming then causes them to get behind in school. So they're more stressed. So they game and that's where the cycle happens. Right. Now wow. they maybe fail a test that hits their ego. They've always been able to get away with it. It hits their ego. Maybe mm-hmm. they fail a class. Maybe they fail out of college altogether. Mm-hmm. And now they're one of those men yeah. who are at home living with their parents, not going to school and playing not working, playing pa- video games. Part of the statistic of young men being unemployed, rising. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. And yeah, that's the future a, of our workforce. Like, it's, like that wow. has an economic impact on our society if these men are not out there working and contributing. It's incredible. You know, even just sitting here, I'm thinking back. You know, obviously, I'm a I'm a drug addict. You know, in recovery. But looking back, and and another to you know, similar story, I played hockey. Mm-hmm. I loved hockey. It was one of my outlets. But I recall, you know, back in high school, well, let me preface this too, by I was ADHD. I don't know how many people have been prescribed, like, you know, diagnosed ADHD. I certainly am not ADHD, you know, but I like to do stuff. And one of the things I did a lot to escape, and I, and cl- it's clear as day that I used it to escape reality, was play video games. Mm-hmm. And I did that until I found marijuana. And then I did that. Until I found something more, until I found something more, until I found the ultimate escape. Because what I was always searching for was escape from reality. And, and, and a lot of people that suffer from drug addiction, alcoholism, that's, that's a reason why. 
mm-hmm. you know, and it seems like that seems it's the same reason, you know, just a different method yeah. uh, of escaping perceived reality. And, and it, and it starts in high school. Wow. For sure. And, and for me, it was, you know, a lot of my friends in the same boat and they're labeled failure to launch. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're, if Very you've heard familiar, this. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a failure. Like, Oh, there's some, I don't know. There's something wrong with my kid. You know, he's 25 and he still lives at my house and we have to pay all his bills and he doesn't do anything. He's just a failure to launch. And and it's like in reality, no, like there's something there. there there's, there's something going on, whether it's gaming addiction, whether it's drug addiction, whether it's actually depression, you know, there's something there. And I feel like the resources are out there. Well, let me just ask you this. When you first decided, you know, what, I have a problem with gaming and I need to quit. Was there resources readily available yeah so you guys asked the question earlier like what was kind of yeah. the catalyst to like really do this yeah. and, and for me that was the frustration i felt when i looked for resources and i found none or i found some that just were obviously written by someone who was like oh writing an article on how to quit playing video games will be good for my search engine optimization oh, some on my website and you know the suggestions were like <laughs> go study more when you know the whole reason i was gaming was to avoid studying or like go right. hang out with your yeah. friends when all my friends were gamers there was even a suggestion of like drink more water as if that's going to magically solve your <laughs> oh video game And so I wrote water. this rant, right? I was like, yo, this is like not cool. And I wrote this rant of like, look, I'm a real gamer. I was a hardcore gamer. I had some of the best accounts in the world. And I also came to a point where I realized I had to quit. And here's yeah. what I realized, right? So, so just to give people practical steps, and I want to kind of share like an optimistic yeah. side of this. Yeah. You know, I, this is really about understanding why you do what you do. Yeah. And when you understand why you do what you do, whether it's, you know, why you're drawn to weed or alcohol or drugs or video games or porn, or when you understand why you're drawn to these things, like they're fulfilling certain human needs you have. Mm-hmm. So you right. have to identify them. Then you have to find replacements, right? Like your desire to fulfill that human need of escape is genuine. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, are you using an outlet that also comes with a lot, a lot of baggage? Yeah. Right. I go surfing to escape. Yeah. I go to yoga to escape. I go to the gym to escape. Right. And those don't come with all this other baggage. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So understand why you do what you do and make sure that you find those in very intentional other activities. Now on gamecores.com we have like so many resources out there right. that will really be able to help people. But what's amazing about this community is when they've learned why they do what they do and they've been educated on why they're so drawn to gaming, right. they're able to make huge shifts. Right? Wow. They're like, oh, wow. I game because I escape. I had no idea. I had no awareness. Right. And now that I do, I can do something different. Right. And we see amazing results. And, and so, you know, from the research we've done, what we recommend is 90 days. So 90 days cold turkey from gaming. And it's for one main reason, which is the way your brain is attuned to gaming. If you're gaming, your brain is, is used to like hyper, hyper, hyper stimulation. And real life just isn't that immersive. Right. It's not done in the same way. But when your brain is used to that high level of stimulation, everything else is boring. So if you're out there and you're like, well, I game because everything else is boring. Yeah, it's not because life is boring. It's because your brain is so used to hyperstimulation uh, and, yeah. and just getting that amount of dopamine. So you need 90 days for your brain to come back to normal levels. So we recommend a 90-day detox. And during that time, you have space to identify some new activities. You have space to develop some time management skills to be more productive. You have space to develop some new relationships. When the average member of our community does a quality of life measure, which evaluates kind of 12 different areas like emotional health, family relationships, time management, your ability to focus, your kind of quality of schoolwork, career, 
12 different areas, we found the average member was at three and a half out of 10 mm-hmm. on those, those measures. At the end of 90 days, they were at seven. So you're wow. looking at like a 2X measurable. or more yeah. Yeah. You know, measurable quality of life impact wow. by just taking 90 days off gaming. But more than anything, with any addiction, you have to be able to create a reference point between what life is like with the addiction and without it. Right. So I was just doing this recently because this year I found myself smoking a lot more pot than I normally would. <laughs> yeah. And I was really kind of sitting in this like, is pot good for me? Because like, there's certain things like the creativity of DJing, like where I'm like, actually, like I get a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. But then there's this whole other side where I'm like, maybe not so much. Right. And I started to reflect and I was like, all right, there's been kind of three main periods over the last couple of years where, you know, I've been smoking a lot of pot and I want to evaluate like what, how I felt what my emotional right. health was like, what my relationships right. were like. So there was a time I lived for five months in LA, seven months in Boulder, and now recently more like the last six months here in San Diego. And I looked at the pattern of how I felt during those periods of time. Yeah. And it was so obvious to me that actually smoking pot all day long is not good for me. Mm. Yeah. I don't feel very emotionally healthy. Wow. I feel more anxious. I feel more depressed. I'm more isolated from friends and family. And that was just so obvious to me. And so now it's not a matter of do I want to smoke pot or not? It's do I want this experience right. of worse mental health, yeah. worse relationships, and so on and so forth, which I don't. So it's a lot easier for me to make the opposite decision. Most gamers have never had a period in their life where they haven't been With gaming. It, right. So <laughs> 90 days, even if they go back and try and game at the end, which you know I'm open to them trying that, it, even if they do that, for so many of them, they now have a reference point of what life is like without gaming. Wow. That is so much better that they're like, you know what? Even if they go back and game, they very quickly realize, you know what? This actually isn't really good for me. Yeah. And I want to shift. And you know, if you're out there and you're like, well, this is you know, I game in moderation. It's like, if you can't take 90 days off gaming, then you probably shouldn't be gaming. Try it as an experiment. This is gold. And see how man. it goes. This is gold. We, we say the same thing with drug yeah. addicts and alcoholics. Yeah. Reverse you, psychology. You, if you can't, yeah, <laughs> do it for 90 days, like, probably shouldn't be doing yeah. it. Yeah. Wow. So, Cam, thank you so much. In closing, I would like to ask you two things. Do you have any nuggets of gold for our listeners and where can they find you? Yes. So I see a lot of advice out there where it's like, just moderate. And I feel like just moderate is the advice that a non-addict gives. (laughs) It's so frustrating, right? Because I'm like, yo, like one of the criteria of addiction is literally your inability to moderate. I have a cousin, he's an alcoholic and believe me, he's been trying to moderate for 15 years. It always ends in the same way with him binging and completely destroying his life. And it's hard. It's hard for me to watch it. So if you're out there and you're like, well, I just want to moderate. I think like, it's idealistic. It's it's good advice. It, it's sound. However, it's not always practical. Yeah. And so I personally believe that even if you take, like if you're looking to moderate or you're, or you're looking to kind of shift your behavior, you have to kind of remove the crutch that's causing mm. you to not be able to get to the root cause mm. in the first place. Yeah. Right. So even in my life, do I think that I could be gaming a little bit? Yeah. But I would only meet the bare minimum responsibilities and my obligations so I can maximize the amount of gaming I do. Right. So I wouldn't be going to Tanzania, Africa like I do every right. year. I wouldn't be going to Portugal next month. I wouldn't go right. surfing. I wouldn't hang out with friends because that would be all time taking away from me being able to game. Mm. Yeah. So ultimately, you have to understand why you do what you do. And the more clear you can get on that, and you have to dig deep. 
don't just go for the surface level, but right. really dig deep. Yeah. Right. The more clear you can get on that, the more you can kind of identify some other replacements. And it's about awareness and intention, mm. awareness and intention. And ultimately, you have to make a choice. You know, you're only here for so much time in your life. So how are you going to use it? Got it. Boom. Got it. Wow. Mic drop. Wow. Seriously. Where can people find you, Cam? So GameQuarters.com, uh, GameQuarters on YouTube, at Cameron Dare on Twitter, at Cameron Dare on Instagram. I love to respond to any comments and emails. So nice. if you're listening to this, Hit please reach out. Yes. Let me know yes. you listen to it. And thanks so much. This oh has been gold. Gosh. Thank you so much for being yes. on here. And with that, that wraps up another episode of the Sober Life Audio Experience. Thanks again, guys. Have a wonderful day. The Specialty Produce app is the world's number one handheld resource on produce. The app features photographs, recipes, geography and history, taste and culinary applications on over 1,900 produce items. From apples to zapote, we've got your produce questions answered. Our app is available for both iPhone and Android. Download our app for free today.